You're listening to the Grace Covenant Statesville audio podcast. So we, uh, we wrapped up our sermon series on Hope in the Dark last week. We're actually starting a new one today called Living Out Your Destiny. And so the next uh, four or five weeks, we'll be talking about that. Uh, today actually is kind of a little, I want to say overview. Um, we'll be looking at that. But I actually want to start with, um, I didn't notice those were the graphics. Those are pretty fun. Um, we're going to start with two verses. One's from the Old Testament, one's from the New Testament. And so if I could have the, if you have your Bibles or your, your, your electronic device, first one is in Psalm chapter 40, verse 5. You can also look at it here on the screen. Let's read this together, can we? We have two, two verses. Um, so one from the Old Testament, one from the New Testament. And so here's the Old Testament one from Psalm chapter 40. Many, O Lord, my God, are the wonders you have done. The things you have planned for us, no one can recount to you. Were I to speak and tell of them, they would be too many to declare. Okay? The next one is from the uh, New Testament, from 2 Corinthians chapter 2. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Lord, I ask the next uh, few moments that as we're taking a little deeper dig uh, into this, that you'll help us to understand what this means to us. And Father, it's not just words that were written a couple thousand years ago that have nice sounds and, and sound kind of meaning. Lord, they have application for us this day. How we understand these verses can affect how we live today and tomorrow. Uh, so Holy Spirit, speak to us. Uh, help us to hear what we need to hear. In Jesus' name. Amen. So, when what comes to your mind when you hear the word destiny? So let me actually, this, usually I say this is, I mean, this is a rhetorical question. This is not rhetorical. I'm actually kind of curious to know what, uh, what, what, do you, what comes to mind when you hear the word destiny? Predetermined future. Um, predetermined future. Okay, I like that one. Someone else? Purpose. I like that. Okay. This side's gotten them all. Anything over uh, this competition? All right. It's like, come on, you can do it. <laughs> what else? What comes to mind when you, when you hear the word destiny? Focus. Focus. I like that. A place where you want to go. Destiny. All right. It's a positive thing, isn't it? That's right. It has a positive connotation. Good, good. Anyone else? The end result. The end result. Okay. It's funny. When I, uh, when I hear the word destiny, right away it comes to my mind are movies. Like um, The Matrix. You know, where it's like your destiny is to save humanity. You know, or, you know, where they overcome all the odds to, you know, to get where, to, to find their destiny, to, to find out what they're supposed to be doing. And um, what's interesting, though, for me, when I, when I began just thinking about this, what first actually came to my mind was the term manifest destiny. How many of you, are many of you familiar with that term? Some of you are like, some of the students are like, really, school again? We're out for the summer. Why are you doing this to us? Um, but the manifest destiny is actually a term that was coined in the mid-1800s. And yes, you're going to get a little history lesson here. Um, so, um, 
So it, it came out in the, the mid-1800s, and it was coined by a journalist by name of Jonathan O'Sullivan. Nice Irish name. 1845, actually, in an article he wrote in, in, a, in a newspaper. And um, O'Sullivan, his thing, at the time, there was, there was this, they're having struggle with the Texas territory, with Mexico, and there was, a, there was that conflict there. They were also having a conflict in the Oregon Territory, which was at that point in time owned and, and I was operated, governed by England. And so O'Sullivan was part of the group that was really saying, no, 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 we've got to get control. In fact, they were actually advocating for the whole of the entire continent, that the United States should not just even stop at the Mexican border. They should just take over Mexico and all of Canada as well. So these were people who were advocating. And O'Sullivan... He came at this, though, not from a sense of political or even, you know, military business. His whole thing was more of this idea of our God-given destiny. In fact, his exact quote is this. And that claim, the claim to those territories, is by the right of our manifest destiny to overspread and to possess the whole of the continent which providence has given us. Providence is another way of saying God. Which God has given us for the development of the great experiment of liberty and federated self-government entrusted to us. He believed that God had given the United States a mission to spread the Republican form of democracy. What he was saying was that God's on our side. Now, it's interesting is that idea actually didn't catch wind then. It really didn't at that point in time. It really kind of dissipated and didn't resurface again until the end of the 1800s, around 1890s, when there was a push for the United States to become more of a global influence. And so they reverted back to this idea, this, this is how, why we're doing this, which actually led to our involvement in the Spanish-American War um, because of this, this idea. The idea was at that point in time and continues to be very controversial. Um, now, because it implies that God's on our side. You know, and, and so if God's on my side, then he's not on your side. And if he's on my side, it really is a justification for me to do whatever I think is appropriate or necessary to do what I want to do. Now, if you're on this side of the conversation, you might think, well, what's wrong with that? I mean, we're, I mean, America, I can, that's not a bad thing, but what if you're Mexico, you know, and you're about to lose Texas and you're hearing, well, no, it's our, it's our God given, really. So, well, wait, well, God never told us about that. What, what do you think you're doing? Or what if you're England and you're about to lose Oregon and, you know, you hear what well, God's, it's our destiny, God, God given right to do this. And you're thinking that ah, just doesn't, that comes across really not as spiritual or even holy. It comes across as arrogant, doesn't it? It does. And because the idea is like, what makes you so special? Or, why would God choose you? To, why, why would God choose to benefit you at my expense? Really, what, you were, what my response to that would be is that you're using God to justify your own selfish ambitions. So what do we do with the verses like the two we just read? Talk about things that God has planned for us. Or the things that God has prepared for those who love him. 
See, one of the key fundamental aspects of the Christian faith is that we believe God is still involved in his creation. That he's still part of involved in our lives. And even more importantly that he's involved in creation is that every person, every individual is individually called by God. Made and called by God. So when we talk about this idea of destiny, we, we do have this idea that it's clearly conveyed in the Bible. So how do we balance those out? So we're not coming across as holier than thou or some superficial form of, of arrogance. How is it we're to think about this? And so for our purposes, we're going to look at def, destiny as this. Destiny is God's unique and preferred plan for your life. It's unique because your destiny is not my destiny. My destiny is not Len's destiny or Missy's destiny. Is we all have, it's unique and a preferred plan for your life. And I'm going to come back, I'll circle back to the idea of preferred here in uh, a little bit. But uh, So for me, the question is not so much, do we have a destiny? The Bible talks about that. We see that throughout Scripture where God has a plan and purpose and that's unique for a specific individual or for a group. So maybe the question is not, do we have one? The question is, how do we live it out? All right, if, if this is, how do we live it out in a way that makes sense? So will we approach life as if we're entitled? Or will we approach life as if it's not our own? See, destiny of your life is far greater than your own personal fulfillment. It's more important, it's greater than your own peace of mind, even your own happiness. If you want to know why you were placed on this planet, we have to begin with God. We, each of us were born by his purpose and for his purpose. So what's interesting is a lot of this idea, we, we look at different things, but there's a key part of this that comes from actually Romans chapter 8. Some of you may be familiar with this passage, verses 28 to 30. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his son, that he might be called or that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. So this idea, God foreknew you. Now, what is clear to say, you ever, you ever, um, you ever those, I don't want to say gumball machines, you put a quarter in, and uh, you wind it up, and a prize drops out. You don't know what it is. You see a bunch of them in there. And I was like, hey, look what I got. Okay? This, is, this verse is saying just the opposite of that. God knows what's going to drop out of the slot. Okay? And he knows it's you. So the idea of foreknew is like, <laughs> I don't know. If, uh, so when I, when I proposed to Betsy, um, I, college student, you know, I, I had no money to buy a ring. Um, and so... I actually, back in the day, this tells you how old I am, those gumball machines were a dime, okay? And so a dime. So I was going to go buy, and in those, a lot of those things, they have rings. Oh, that'd be kind of sentimental. So I thought, okay, good. Ten dimes before I finally got a ring. 
I got dice, you know, and uh, I got a Marine Corps ring about like number six. And I was like, yeah, it won't work. I, uh, <laughs> you know, so I had no clue what was coming out of that thing until one final. Okay, finally. Okay, good. But that's not what God is saying here. He foreknew us. He knew before, before you were born. Actually, we might even say before time. That's really pretty cool. God foreknew you. God chose you. Now, and this isn't the kind of choose, I don't know if you were at this, this was you, but uh, gym class, and they're picking teams, and you're the last one. You know, it's, all right, we'll take you. You know, that's like, almost like they're obligated to pick you because they have to, you're the only one left, and but that's not what God's talking about. God chose us. Now think about that for a second. This is God, the creator of the universe. Chose me. Chose you. Not because he was obligated or had to. He chose us because he wanted us. I think it would be appropriate to say that each one of us were his first pick. God chose us. And the other idea that's conveyed in that passage is that God predestined you. Um, for a number of summers, my father-in-law would uh, rent a beach house in, this in Wrightsville Beach, Wilmington. And all the family would come in for a week together. And a number of years, it was right around the time of year when sea turtles would lay eggs. And we would know this because we'd wake up in the morning and find the beach kind of taped off with that yellow you know, do not cross tape, where the beach, they had people, that was their job. They were walking around the beaches looking for the signs that sea turtles had come up in the night, laid their eggs, and went back. What, what, if you've ever watched the, the, the documentaries, the National Geographic, whatever, what happened? Those eggs hatch. The mother or the father, no, none of them are around. All the eggs are on their own, all the little turtles on their own to fend for themselves. And you see, there's a mad dash for the water, and many of them make it, many of them don't. You know, kind of like you're on your own. And again, what's conveyed in that verse we just read is that's not how God approaches us, where he kind of, right, now you're here, I've done my bit, you're on your own. No, God not only foreknew us, he not only chose us, but he predestined us as well. There's a plan and a purpose for us. For each one of us. I love what uh, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 11, out of the message, so it's a little different translation, it, it says this, it's in Christ that we find out who we are and what we're living for. Long before we first heard of Christ and got our hopes up, he had his eyes on us, had designs on us for glorious living, part of the overall purpose he is working out in everything and everyone. Isn't that cool? So then, for me, the question is, how do we live out our destiny, so to speak? few thoughts. First thought is this. You discover your destiny through relationship with Jesus Christ. For the Christ follower, it all begins here. It begins at this point. The purpose of giving your life to Jesus is not just about going to heaven. It's also about navigating your way through life here and now. Um, I don't know if you know this, but back in the day of the New Testament days, um, Israel was under the control of Rome. And Rome, their armies were very prevalent. And 
um, a civilian could be compelled to carry a Roman soldier's pack one mile. So if Roman soldier was walking and had to go from point A to point B, and he had a pack and came across you, he could say, here, you carry my pack, and could compel you to carry it for him for um, uh, uh, at least one mile. And uh, so that, that's historical fact. There's a story um, of, of, of a Roman soldier encountering um, a young man, a young Jewish man, and, and compelled him, said, all right, I want you to carry my pack. And so the two start walking, and not a word is spoken between them the whole time. They get to the end of the mile, and the, the soldier reaches for his pack, and um, you know, the guy says, you know, that's okay, I'll carry it for you a second mile. And so the surprise, you know, the soldier agrees, and they start off on the second mile. And as they continue on the second mile, the soldier starts telling him stories of places he's been, things he's seen, and what life was like for him as a Roman soldier. And it seemed like just with no time at all, they get to the end of the second mile, and, you know, he hands back the pack to the soldier, and the soldier says, like, why did you do that? Why did you didn't have to do that? Why did you carry the pack the second mile? And he said, his response was, I walk with you the first mile to fulfill an obligation. I walk with you the second mile to make a friend. If your walk with Jesus is all about fulfilling an obligation, you're going to miss out on all that he has for you along the way. There's so much more than the destination. There's the journey with Jesus that is so powerful and so um, significant for all of us. You were made by God and for God. And until we understand that, life really doesn't make sense for the Christ follower. (laughs) Second thought is this. Seek God to know your destiny. Um. When it comes to getting something new, my parents couldn't be more opposite. So let's take the, the illustration of, a, of like a cell phone. My dad opens the box, turns it on, and off he goes. My mom won't even turn on the phone until she's read the manual. Who do you think gets the most out of their phone? My mom. Why? Well, because she's read the instructions from the manufacturer that tells her about all the features on her phone and how to actually make them happen. And, you know, you hear it says, oh, did you know that phone will do this and my phone will do that? And, and my dad's like, really? I didn't know that. I've had my phone for six months and I had no idea. You know, the irony says, I wish I knew that before. It's like, you could have if you just read the manual. And so when it comes to all right, finding our way through life, and we've talked about having this relationship with, with Jesus, and we're wanting to find out, God, what do you have for me? What is my destiny? What is the path you've asked me to follow? And how am I supposed to do that? I mean, we could actually make the case that the Bible is kind of the owner's manual, but even more than that is the idea of asking God. Go to the creator, the one who actually made you, has the design and plan for you. Proverbs 3, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him 
and he will make your path straight. The easiest way to discover the purpose of an invention is to ask the creator of it. How does this work, and what does it do, and how do I operate it? The same is true for discovering your life's destiny. Ask God. So asking God is a crucial step. There's also very practical steps that I think we could look at here that help us understand how do we find our discover our destiny. So my third thought is this. Define your God-given talents and abilities. I suspect most of us here are familiar with the story of David and Goliath. 1 Samuel chapter 17 in the Old Testament. And I mean, in the story, David's portrayed as kind of a young boy. I think at most he's you know, an older teenager, maybe in her early 20s, but still, relatively speaking, very, very young. Goliath is this seasoned war veteran Philistine. And you know the story, they confront one another, and David kills Goliath with a sling by hitting him with a rock. thing we need to, I don't know if you realize this, but those slings, those weren't little child stories. This isn't Dennis the Menace. You know that little you know, picture of Dennis Menace? He's got that little stick with the rubber band in it, and he shoots you know, things. And, and um, I just realized all the, probably the kids in here have no idea. Dennis the Menace? Who are you talking about? Um, <laughs> this is not a toy. Okay, the slings that we're talking about there, they've actually, the, the, they're, they're still prominent in certain areas of that part of the world. Um, they, they're as dangerous, the, the, to be hit by one of those rocks is actually, they discovered that the, the force that comes out of it is similar to what comes out of a forty-five caliber pistol. They're deadly. Um, in fact, they're, they're, and they're incredibly accurate. I mean, for me, I'm going to fling it, and you know, if, if it even stays in this, I mean, it could go anywhere. I mean, because I have no skill at it, but those who have developed a skill, they are incredibly deadly up to 200 yards. And we know that they're incredibly accurate simply from some of the paintings from medieval times where you see them with the sling and they're hitting birds in flight. So you've got a bird flying and they could, they could fling it and, and hit the bird. So they were that accurate. David didn't develop that skill overnight. He didn't just wake up saying, I'm going to go attack, I'm going to go fight Goliath and uh, let me try the sling. And years and years, what do you think he was doing while he's out there with the sheep? I mean, he had years to practice that skill and to hit that rock or that limb or that whatever he was trying to aim at and thousands of attempts. Clearly, David had God-given talent. But he didn't get that talent. He didn't develop that talent by just sitting around watching sheep. God has given you talents and abilities that will enable you to fulfill your destiny. Your destiny will be experienced by using your talents. So the question for me is, all right, how do you know you're good at something? I mean, think about it. Usually the first time you try something, you're not really good. You know, the first time you maybe, maybe you baked a pie or the first time you made that piece of furniture or you, you know, did, why do I have extra pieces? You know, you know, <laughs> you know, I say those, usually the first time we try something, it doesn't turn out really well or, but you keep at it because there's something about it that fulfills you or brings you pleasure. 
I know this didn't really work out the way I wanted, but, you know, I really had a lot of fun. And we get better at it and better at it and it improves. And sometimes we discern it internally, what we're good at, what our gifts are, because there's that sense of accomplishment or that that joy it brings us. There's Internally, we feel it, and, and so we know that there's something there. Sometimes we discover our talents and abilities externally from others. Others tell us, man, you were, what you, that was really good. Or, man, I never, never knew you had that talent. And the way you could sing or play that instrument or paint or whatever it is that you're working on or doing, here, here's something that's really, I think, important for all of us. Recognizing ability in others is one of the best gifts you can give them. Affirm what you see in others. Because you actually could be part of helping them follow their destiny in life. Because they got affirmation. Someone encouraged them and said, you know, I see potential. I see something in you that could be really good. Those simple words of affirmation can change the entire course of their life. Affirm what you see in others. I'm going to say this especially for spouses and you know children, parents, friends, those people that we're close to, look for the good in them, what we see in the potential, and affirm that in them. And that leads me to the last thought about discovering your destiny, and that's discover your passion. You know, I, uh, I sensed the call to ministry when I was in high school. And uh, I resisted that call for probably about a couple of years. Again, my dad was a pastor, so I knew what that was all about. So part of it was that, but part of it was, and i kind of embarrassed to actually say this, part of me was because I knew that if I said yes to God, that he was going to call me to go somewhere in the middle of Kansas. Now, this is nothing about Kansas or the people of Kansas. I mean, they're all good people. So this is, this, this hasn't, it's, in my mind, it's the idea of living in this very remote rural area. And you've driven, if you've gone through Kansas, there's just a lot of open, empty land of, and a lot of rural territory. And for me to, to be called by God to go serve in one of those types of communities, it would be easier for me to go to Nairobi, Kenya than to go to that kind of the cultural differences for me. But anyways, that was so <laughs> that was my mindset that God was going to call me. If I said yes to God, that he was going to call me to go do something that was like that, that here's what I've come to understand though. God may in fact ask us to do something that's outside of our comfort zone. He does. We see that in scripture all the time. In fact, he's good at that. I can say this, though. He will never ask you to do something that is contrary to how he made you. Why would he do that? He made you a a certain way with certain gifts and abilities and and perspectives, and he wired you to be a certain kind of person. Why would he do anything contrary to that? It doesn't make any sense. May you find yourself in a situation that's uncomfortable, that is unknown and terrifying or exciting yes but it's not it's going to be consistent with who you are as a person god's not going to call you to do something that's contrary to how he made you so the question is well how do you know how he made you refer back to what are your passions what do you like to do what's fun enjoyable fulfilling meaningful the key is uh, to figure out what you love to do 
what God gave you a heart to do, and then do it for all his glory. So, as we're, um, as I've been thinking about this, I keep coming back to this one point, and I'll be honest, this isn't even in my, I haven't even worked this out in my notes yet. And it's this idea, what happens if you find yourself with a destiny that you don't want? I uh, was in a conversation with someone here recently, and uh, through a, there it was a woman and her husband died recently prematurely. So she's on her own. But not only that, because of some situations with her kids, she is now raising her grandkids. And that's her life. And so she's, that was not part of the plan. You know what I mean? I mean, that when, as if it was, if you would have asked her 20, 30 years ago, what does she look like, her destiny look like? It wasn't that. Now she finds herself in this place. And, you know, Betsy and I were talking about this. And she, and Betsy had a perfect response. It was, yes, but. What if God has her in that role, not so much because of her destiny, but, shape, but, but shaping the kid's destiny? What if that's the purpose for what she's doing? It's not, it's not about her, per se. It's about what she's doing with the kids. The question becomes, if, if I'm that individual, am I okay with that? Am I okay having my destiny being wrapped up in someone else's destiny? And you see that through Scripture a lot. I mean, if you look, if you ask John the Baptist, are you pretty happy with your outcome of life? He ends up, he was in, he's rusted and beheaded. Or Stephen, still in the prime of life, and he's stoned and killed for his faith. We can say, well, that is their destiny. But we have to ask ourselves, what if it's not about us? What if it's about what God wants to do? Maybe not to us or for us, but maybe it's what he wants to do through us. Are we okay with that? Can we find meaning and purpose and even joy and happiness knowing that we are being spent for the benefit of others? And when you think about it, isn't that what Jesus did for all of us? And isn't that what we're all called to do as Christ followers, is to become more like Jesus. And isn't that actually maybe what we're all called to be and to do? Is to, our destiny is not about us you know, exerting our rights on others. Our destiny is about giving our life away for the benefit of others. So it's an interesting idea that we try to, we, as we walk through this idea of what is our destiny, how do we live that out? And it's not something for me, it's not something I have this picture. I, I know what it's going to look like, you know, 10 years down. Sometimes it's just day to day. Sometimes I might have a couple months look down the road, but even that, there's no guarantees in life, are there? So it's a day by day walking it out. So, our definition of destiny that we talked about before also included the word preferred. It's God's unique and preferred plan for your life. And preferred, 
is in there because as we're talking about this as in the sermon team, we recognize that your destiny, as we're looking at it biblically, is not automatic. There are potential hurdles along the way that could cause you to get off course. And so actually for the next few weeks, we're going to look at some of those hurdles um, in the weeks to come. And uh, so um, know what's, what's coming up down the head or coming up down the road. Um, or coming up ahead, um, this idea of, of recognizing that God has a plan. There's things that will distract us. There's things that could cause us to lose sight of that plan. So how do we keep that from happening? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for um, for your word. Thank you for the fact that you haven't just abandoned us and left us out to fend for ourselves. But God, that you've uniquely shaped us, you've created us, you've fashioned us. And Lord, you continue to work on us day by day. Lord, I'm so glad you're not, you, you didn't leave me where you found me. That you continue to work and to, to shape me and to help me become more like Jesus. So Father, I pray that as we've looked at this today, that some of us might be um, really wrestling with what does God have for me? Not really unsure what the future looks like and maybe even feeling like they don't have, even have a purpose. They're wandering aimlessly and, and uh, Father, I pray that here right now in this moment, Lord, that they would surrender their life to you and that they would find this sense of purpose. And it may not even be without knowing the specifics of what happens next, but it's just the fact of knowing that They're on your team. You've called them. You've chosen them. They do matter. You do have a plan for them. And that you will walk with them through whatever lies ahead. Lord, for any who might be here this morning who are struggling with where they're at in life, and maybe it's they're experiencing a destiny that is one that they're not really always excited about. Father, my prayer for them is that in the midst of their circumstances, they would find you. And they would find, Father, that they're able to release their own expectations for what they think is best and realize, Lord, that true fulfillment and joy, deep abiding joy, comes from giving ourselves to whatever you might have for us. Lord, may they find that peace. May they find that joy joy unspeakable. May they find that this day. Father, we are people who believe that you're still intimately involved in our lives. You don't necessarily choreograph every single move or every circumstance, but Father, you've promised to walk with us through the good, the bad, Father, the difficult. Lord, it's in that we put our hope. It's in that that we find our joyful fulfillment. So, Lord, we continue to put our lives into your hands. We, Lord, we continue to ask you to work in us, to shape us, Lord, into the people that you want us to be. So, Lord, it's with that prayer, with that hope, and with, with that expectation, we give all of these things to you now. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, visit us at gracecovenant.org.